was my the last team that I had played for, and I had a roommate. Uh, it was just him and I. Um, it was actually someone that I had played with in college years past. So we had a previous relationship. Uh, we knew each other decently well. We liked each other a lot. Uh, and when we are both find ourselves in New York, he is from Vancouver, uh, we find ourselves in a new place with new relationships. And naturally, because we knew each other, we just had this relationship off the bat where we knew a little bit about each other. We knew each other's history. We knew kind of likes and, and certain things like that. And when living together, we kind of just did everything together. We would do our grocery shopping together. We would go get uh, Cold Stone Creamery. We were like three nights a week. It was like our thing together. Uh, we started watching similar shows together. We would go take our, do our laundry together. I mean, you name it. We would drive to practice together. We would then practice together. We would then drive home together. Um, everything we did together. And we both had this idea, like, man, if we just keep doing everything together, if we keep making space for each other in our lives, like, this is what we're supposed to do. We're roommates, and we're supposed to like each other and hang out with each other all the time. Um, and we had other team relationships, but we had something a little bit different. And over time, within that 10-month season, I think about four to five months in, we kind of started realizing that, like, we didn't have space for ourselves, we weren't pursuing things necessarily outside of our own relationship with each other. Um, part of that team dynamics and where you're living and things like that. But we just kind of went all in with each other. If one was doing something, one would join. If the other one was doing something, the other, thing, the other, the other would join. And what started to happen is we started to resent each other. We actually started to find these little things of like, oh, actually, that annoys me about you now. I'm annoyed by you because of how much you watch TV. And like, I've watched all the TV shows with him. It just doesn't make sense. But we start building this resentment. And over that time, as we continue to press more and more into each other and almost giving up our own ways in some ways, there was just distance between our relationship. We weren't contributing to the relationship in the same way. We weren't enjoying each other in the same way. We weren't laughing together in the same way. And we started to just not really have any meaning in our relationship anymore. And I think the last few months, I mean, it was really down to like, we'd be in the car together to practice. We'd show up to team events together. And then we kind of just hung out in our own rooms. We didn't work out together anymore. We didn't cook together anymore. But little by little, our relationship just faded. We haven't talked since. And that's just where things stand now. If you look at it, those first few months, anyone looking outside in, we were best friends. We did everything together because that's what best friends do. And I think that's what any relationship is supposed to do, right? You get married. <laughs> Say goodbye to your old life. You're all in now, right? Your family, like everything is supposed to be for your family. And you need to give everything to your family. Maybe it's your coworkers. Like when you show up to work, it's not just about getting a job done, but there's an expectation that you are supposed to just give everything away to build relationships with your coworkers. And I think we could probably all think of a time, maybe you're in it right now, where this idea of pressing all the way into a relationship, going all the way towards the other person, there started to grow some dissonance. There started to grow some distance between one another some resentment. Things aren't clicking the same anymore. But you're doing everything you're supposed to do. You're supposed to sacrifice your own ways, and you're supposed to you know, make the other person happy, and you're supposed to do everything that they want to do. Has anyone else ever experienced any of this? Everyone's by myself. Right? Like, like, we find ourselves in this situation a lot, because this is what our culture does. If we want to make relationships work. So as you think about those relationships, 
as you think about the ones you're in right now, your spouse, your family, your coworkers, your best friend, if you were just to pause for a second and you think about your interactions with them, are there things in which you're no longer doing the things that you enjoy doing? Maybe the things that you're good at, the things that, that fill you up, that give you energy, the things that you really appreciate about life. Is there anything like that in any of those close relationships that you think of? Because again, the best way to a meaningful relationship is for you to go all in. It's for you to leave everything behind and go fully towards them. But what if we pause and ask ourselves the question that if we actually go our own way, if we go our own way first, could we then go their way? And everything that they like to do, everything that they appreciate, everything that they find value in. Could, could we actually do that for ourselves so then we could actually enter into a relationship with them and see and value those same things? Or does that just sound too selfish? Right? To like think about yourself in a relationship. We probably categorize self-care in this. Right? Self-care, the taboo is that it's a selfish thing. Right? You just need to keep giving yourself more and more. You need to press into the relationship more. You just need to listen more. You just need to do more. All these things just kind of keep building and building and building. That should feel a little bit counterintuitive. If you were to pause right now and you're, if you were to think about all the things that you enjoy doing and you love and you appreciate in life, and if you just went after those in a relational context, that should feel a little bit counterintuitive. And if it doesn't, then you are doing very well in your relationships. Um, but against, just amidst these nuances of relationships, as you're trying to figure out how, how do I press into this relationship? How do I have a good relationship with others? How do I have meaningful relationships with people? But it doesn't require me to like just hate everything we now do. That I miss everything that I actually enjoy doing. In, in, in the nuances of that, we want to look at scripture and see if there's spiritual wisdom that helps us actually fully enter into meaningful relationships while still fully being ourselves. And that is a very fine balance because usually one sacrifices. Usually we have a mindset that says, again, I need to abandon myself. I need to go all the way into my relationship for this thing to work. I haven't done enough of sacrificing and that's why this isn't going well. Or I just need to keep doing me and you need to get on board with it. Right? That's probably more of our maybe cultural authenticity right now. Well, this is just me. You, you need to get on board. You need to like who I am. You, know, you need to fully support what I'm doing. And we see oftentimes these two polar opposites. And so how can we cut down the middle in this where maybe there's a win on both sides? But it does start with us asking the question of, have, have I abandoned the individual self for the sake of uniformity in a relationship? because that's what I am supposed to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn to Romans. Um, Paul is an early church planner. He goes and plants a bunch of churches, and then oftentimes what he's doing is he's writing these letters back to these churches because they're relationally a mess. And that's one of the most common things he's writing to, is, is they just cannot figure it out. And what he's done in this book of Romans is it actually starts, it looks at what God has done 
in and amongst these people. You have a, a Jewish people, and then you have the Gentiles. You have people who are ethnically and culturally the people of God, who are, the, are going the right way of God because they're born into it. And then you have the Gentiles, which I don't, if anyone here is of Jewish heritage, you are a Gentile. You are, you are outside the Jewish family, which means that you are outside this family of God. And what Paul is writing is, in, through this book of Romans, he's saying, no, like, in the work of Jesus, who Jesus is, this has actually been broken down. That you as a Jew, you're not just the people of God because you're born into it. You're actually people of God through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then for the Gentiles who are on the outside, the good news is that you don't have to just be born in, you're actually adopted in, you're, you're invited in. So just to give you this play, like all of these people are now together in this church. They have way different ethnic and culture backgrounds. They're trying to figure things out and they're just not very good at it. So Paul keeps writing these letters and he works through this letter and he's talking to them about this. And then he says, and the good news is that in all of this, the spirit of God is doing a work in your life to transform you, to renew you. To, to, to bring you into fullness of a relationship with God and with others. And then because of that, because you're being transformed, because you're being renewed, because God is pursuing you, then what you do in response is you serve and love one another. But let's look at what he says here in Romans 12, 3 to 12. Kelly, we can go ahead and pull that up. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Let's keep going. We have different gifts, and this is what we want to focus on this morning. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then the message translation ends with this, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. So a little bit of what's, what's going on here is he has listed a bunch of things, gifts, that have been given to you, unique things that you're good at, that God has instilled in you to then serve others in relationship. And this is, this is what church looks like. This is what, what we're trying to do here. There's a little bit of a connection to last Sunday, or as we talk about like this next year, can we show up and serve one another? And just, can we believe that God is going to do things through that? That's our vision, transforming lives, transforming everything. And we're transformed by the spirit of God. And in response, we serve one another but it is attached to your gifts. So right here, what we read is that the relational unity of the church, the relational health is contingent on you knowing your gifts and living them out for the sake of others. That, that's the whole faith community that Paul is describing here. That's how we would look at a summation of, in so many ways, what we're doing here. And then from there, the community works out into forgiveness and love reconciliation so much more. And Paul picks up after this. So if we look at this text right now and we pause, what are your unique gifts? What are the things that you're good at? What are the things that, that you feel called to? There's this, this innate thing in you that you just, you're very passionate about something. It gives you energy. It gives you life. Like when you get to do it during the week, let's even just think now, like was there something in your week this last week that just gave you energy, that fed you, 
that filled you up, that maybe made you more thankful or appreciative of life or others. That when you do this thing, you're actually like less mad at people. You have a little bit more patience for that person in the office that just bugs you. Or like you can actually openly have conversations with other people who disagree with you. Because you, just, you have this sense of like, man, I, I actually lived with meaning this week. I did something that was, just, that was just beyond me in a way. When's the last time you felt that? What was that thing? And just hang on to that for a sec. Because the next question is, if you weren't able to think of something recently, or even maybe you did, is the relationships that you're in right now keeping you from doing that more? Have somehow, have you sacrificed because there's scripts that you've been handed in life? Like if we look at maybe the families that we come from, one script would say, you cannot abandon this family by going and chasing your dreams, right? You need to stay in the family business. You cannot move away. You need to do something to now take care of the family. You need to forget the things that fill you up, that give you energy, that you desire, that you dream about during the day, all those different things. Or the other one might be the opposite. <laughs> Go chase your dreams and worry about nobody else. Like, again, you just, you do you. And you just go and you go and you go and you go and relationships sacrifice because of it. Or even morally, there, there, there's ways in which we operate as a society that again says that you should feel guilty for doing things that you enjoy. That you can't just go after those things that give you life because everyone else is doing this and this is what you have to do. Or like, hey, these are the things that people are applauding you for. You have to do more of that. You can't stop doing this. But inside of you, are you actually doing things that give you life? Are you doing things that fill you up that are within the gifts of what God has given you? And there's a lot of ways of trying to figure out that gift, but are you actually tapping into the uniqueness of how God has wired you and how he has created you? Because ultimately, I think what we find ourselves in relationships, the myth that if we just continue to sacrifice ourselves, if we continue to conform to the other person in the relationship, we continue to just give up the things that we desire and just serve them fully, the relationship's going to work out. How exhausting is that? that we're always just having to show up and to give and to just drop everything that God has ever wired us for. But man, if you just keep doing those things, the relationship's going to work out. But what would it look like? Like if you imagine your relationship, like if you're thinking about your marriage, if you're thinking about a coworker, if you're thinking about your family, what if like both people on the other side of the relationship were doing this constantly? What, what if both sides were going and pursuing things that God has filled them with and is calling them to? The giftings that he has given you. What if both go and pursue that? And you have more energy and you have more life inside of you, you have more appreciation. How much better are you for the other person in your relationship? The whole other side to look at this. Like when I get filled up, I go home and like, I want to like talk with Caitlin and, and hang out or I want to call my best friends and like actually check in and like talk about things. And, and I, I, just, I, I naturally just flow better relationships. I have more patience and grace and the things that bug me don't bug me as much because I feel like I'm actually living with purpose and meaning. And I think the danger in all of our relationships is that they become what define our purpose and meaning. That the relationship in and of itself is now who we are. 
that we are the married person, that we are within this family, that we, you know, relate to these coworkers, that this is who my best friend is, and this is what we have to do. Whatever it is, it looks different for everybody. But now is it the relationship that is defining who I am? Or is it that God is the one who has defined who I am, and he's given me gifts to then live out in that relationship? I have a love for coaching. Um, sports was kind of the, I played for a long time. Coaching kind of came in and through that, but I really found that I love interpersonal coaching, not just with athletics. Like, I, like, like if you were like, Hey Ryan, I'm going through this thing in my life. I'm like, okay, let's chat. Okay. I buy you coffee. Can we get, can we go hang out? I just want to ask you questions. Like I, I don't, I don't have the answers probably, but I, I, I want to coach you by asking questions. Cause I believe that you have the answers in, inside of you. I believe that you have the gifts inside of you. I want to help unlock those. If I get to do that a few times a week, I, I'm cloud nine. I, I, I feel like I have more energy and I feel like I have more life to give. You know who doesn't appreciate my coaching all the time though? Caitlin. I mean, from either the interpersonal stuff or like we've tried playing tennis together. You know, we've tried working out together. Anything I say, I'm like, oh, hey babe, I wonder like if you did it this way. It's no, why are you critiquing me? Like we, we can't, like there's just no room for that. The realization is that in these relationships, is there enough capacity for you to live out the fullness of your gifting? Because I think we're all limited in this. Dallas Willard, a spiritual writer, had said, your family is too important for it to be your ministry. Meaning that your ministry isn't the place where you're fully living out your giftings of coming aside people and helping them along. Like, like our relationships are tapped in what they allow for us to live out. Meaning we have to live our gifts also outside of our relationship. But when we can go get filled up with life, I think we're better to enter back into life. That we go serve, we go give, we go do, and then we can come in and we can be. So as you're thinking, you may have thought of stuff that you like doing that give you life, that give you energy, but don't predetermine what this is. Parker Palmer is a spiritual author that writes a book called Let Your Life Speak. There's this whole piece that, that there, there is a voice within inside of you. You could call it the, the story that God is writing with inside of you that is drawing you to something. And sometimes you can look at gifts and passions and you can look at the things that have been successful in your life that you've done. Um, and then you, can, you combine that with what are the needs that these meet, right? There's a combination going on, but don't predetermine what it is. I was one of the only kids in college who had a reason to go to the P.O. box at the end of the day. And that was mainly because my mother has never believed in email, in Facebook, in texting, or cell phones in general. And so while other kids were BBMing their parents, I was literally waiting by the mailbox to get a letter from home to see how the weekend had gone, which was a little frustrating when grandma was in the hospital, but I was just looking for some sort of scribble, some unkempt cursive from my mother. And so when I moved to New York City after college and got completely sucker punched in the face by depression, I did the only thing I could think of at the time. I wrote those same kinds of letters that my mother had written me for strangers and tucked them all throughout the city. Dozens and dozens of them. I left them everywhere, in cafes and in libraries at the UN, everywhere. I blogged about those letters in the days when they were necessary, and I posed a kind of crazy promise to the internet that if you asked me for a handwritten letter, I would write you one. No questions asked. Overnight, my inbox morphed into this harbor of heartbreak, a single mother in Sacramento, a girl being bullied in rural Kansas, all asking me, a 22-year-old girl who barely even knew her own coffee order, to write them a love letter and give them a reason to wait by the mailbox. 
Well, today I fuel a global organization that is fueled by those trips to the mailbox, fueled by the ways in which we can harness social media like never before to write and mail strangers letters when they need them most. But most of all, fueled by crates of mail like this one, my trusty mail crate, um, filled with the scriptings of ordinary people, strangers writing letters to other strangers, not because they're ever going to meet and laugh over a cup of coffee, but because they have found one another by way of letter writing. I was on the subway yesterday with this mail crate, which is a conversation starter, let me tell you. If you ever need one, just carry one of these. And <laughs> a man just stared at me, and he was like, well, why don't you use the internet? And I thought, well, sir, I am not a strategist, nor am I a specialist. I am merely a storyteller. And so I could tell you about a woman whose husband has just come home from Afghanistan and she is having a hard time unearthing this thing called conversation. And so she tucks love letters throughout the house as a way to say, come back to me, find me when you can. Or a girl who decides that she is going to leave love letters around her campus in Dubuque, Iowa, only to find her efforts ripple affected the next day when she walks out onto the quad and finds love letters hanging from the trees, tucked in the bushes and the benches. Or the man who decides that he is going to take his life uses Facebook as a way to say goodbye to friends and family. Well, tonight he sleeps safely with a stack of letters just like this one, tucked beneath his pillow, scripted by strangers who were there for him when. Um, there's a quote here. Uh, Frederick Buchner writes, true vocation joins self and service, the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. See, there's an alignment, because one in a relationship says that you just need to keep sacrificing. Just like we look at serving and we, all the things that have to be done and all the things that have to be fixed. There's a short shelf life for that. You will burn out. It's the same thing in relationships. But when you can look at the way that God has wired for you and believe that he is working in and through you, his spirit is doing the work by you putting your hands and feet to the gifts that he has given you. I believe that all of your relationships will improve even if they still feel like chaos around you, you will improve. You will feel more stable in the relationships that you cannot make sense of, that you cannot fix, that you cannot control, that you, no matter how much you do, it may never fix. But you can continue to do the work of winning him to your care. I think about, I'm going to wrap up with this. Um, I think about our overseers for Midtown. Um, this is a team of people uh, just our leadership structure, the way it works. We have five overseers uh, along with myself. Um, two of them, Brian uh, Ross and Carlos Huerta, uh, kind of steward the uh, more just the systems and finances and the, the health of us as uh, kind of the, you know an organized body. Um, and then Andrew, Karen, uh, and Lila. This is kind of the, the spiritual health of the church, the ministry of the church. And we all have, you know, different meetings. And, you know, the other day we had stuff up on the wall and we were working through what the next, you know, months look like, all these different things. But I look at each one of these people and they're serving in a way that lives into their own giftings. Yeah, I think about, I think about Brian Ross. There's not a week that goes by when he does not encourage and edify numbers of people who are in ministry across the United States. He's a seminary professor, and that's what he does. He pours into people who are trying to figure out their call, their vocation, and that's something that gives him life. He loves putting together messages and writings, and he helps us construct what we're doing, these message series, all these things, and it gives him life. And it's also meeting needs for people to personally encounter God. 
I think about Carlos Huerta and his ability to see community transformation happen through the startups of businesses that provide equity in, in neighborhood and people's lives. That he, he sits down with people and he tries to empower them through business to raise people out of poverty. And, and, and he just does that. on. And then he helps us in the church try to also figure that out as we look ahead. I think about Karen and the amount of conversations we've had around just culture and prayer and what God is up to in and through us and how often we just connect on these certain things. And she's choosing that not only does she see these things in her job and in her life and with others, but she's choosing to step into the gifting here in the church. And I think about Andrew and his work for just love of neighborhood and people and systems and organization and how do we create and his ability to just bring people together and bridges across networks and, uh, and divides. You, you look across race and you look across ethnicity and all these different things and he is stepping into this gift that he has to do something that I could never even dream of doing. And I know that it gives him life and it fills him up and he can enter back into his marriage and the relationship with his kids and his friends because he's filled up. I think about Lila and her ability to identify who's at the table and who's not at the table, whose voice is heard and whose voice is not being heard. She goes across uh, college campuses all across the state and even in Nevada, actually helping and equipping young adults in college to find out their giftings and their call and live that out in leadership. And she helps us, how do we, how do, we do that here in Midtown? And there's so many of you that have so many giftings that are already serving. There's so many of you that have giftings that God wants to work in and through you, not just in this church, but in your relationships. And if you don't have a place to do this, and the only place is within your relationships, there's a limit to how much you are going to be able to step into your gifts. And I think the thing I feel the most this, this morning is that you've lost the unique identifier that God has created you for. You've, 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 you've just been living for other people this whole time. You've been living up to other people's expectations or living below them, right? There's both sides to that. And, and everything has to go back to like your family of origin. This is how our family does things. And you, you don't have your own individual identity that you're living out. And when we're not doing that, what starts to happen is we start to look at the other relationships to fill us. And then we just need more and more from the other people in our lives who can never fulfill the thing that God has called us to do. You have been uniquely made with, a, with the, the most loving hands you could ever imagine. And I believe that not only are you robbing yourself, but you are robbing others when you're not stepping into that. I read this, this is my, probably my favorite book for our girls. Short, don't worry. Man, there's pictures. Um, you just get the words though. But I think this is it. That, it, that it, as we go this morning, we're gonna go into ministry time in here in a second. So actually if LJ and Jason can come up and we're just gonna go into one more song. Um, and during this time, uh, I think we'll have Karen and myself, we'll just kind of be over here in front of this black hutch, and if you want prayer for any of this during this song, and then Andrew's going to come up and close us in communion. If you're online and you want to step into a time of prayer, uh, we have someone in a breakout room, so you can just kind of raise your hand or chat with Kelly or just chat to everybody that you want prayer, and then you can enter into that room for this song, um, but this just goes back to this piece, and if you're reminded of one thing this morning is that you've been uniquely made that there are gifts within you that those around you are desiring to see come out of you. And I believe that when you're entering fully into these things, while still passionately pursuing the relationships that are around you, more is going to come than you could ever imagine. If there never was a you, I knew tears would start coming. 
If there never was a you, how empty life would be. Who would make me smile and laugh and keep me company? Who would fill your tiny shoes and snuggle in your bed? Who would I tuck in at night and kiss upon the head? If there never was a you, the world would never know all the funny jokes you tell and just how tall you grow. Who would do your greatest things and who would dream your dreams? Who would win the science fairs and join the soccer teams? If there never was a you who shared adventures with me, who would let me bake them treats or bandage up their knee? If there never was a you, life wouldn't be the same. I love you more than words can say. And I'm so glad you came. And that right there is a love letter. And I believe that in each of you, the giftings that you have is the love letter that God is writing to others. Like, do you believe that? The, the things that you've been made for is God actually writing love letters to other people because those gifts are not just for yourself. And when you're living those out, I believe, again, that your, your, your marriage, your family, your friends, your coworkers, all the relationships around you are going to benefit. So may you be encouraged this morning to step into whatever gives you life, whatever gives you more energy to love people. Carry those things out, trusting that God is working. So why don't we stand?